From the North Georgia mountains to the Florida line, it is Eric Erickson here covering the whole state of Georgia. Welcome to you all. The phone number, if you would like to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. The President of the United States addressed the nation last night regarding the coronavirus. Just as a starting point, becoming more and more of a of a snob audio guy and and. So I, I'm actually fascinated by the way radio and TV works, and, and I'm fascinated by microphones. I, I love to go on TV sets and see what sort of lav mic do you use. A lav mic is the one where you clip it to, to your lapel. Uh, a boom mic is one that is typically they use in Hollywood sets. It, it hangs over you. You can't see it. It's just at a camera frame. Uh, either you have a shotgun mic that can be mounted to a, to a camera. Uh, you have a radio mic like I'm using right now that you get very close to and you talk into if I stand back here you can hear the noticeable sound and then if I get close you can tell exactly what the audio is when I come close to the sound uh, it's designed not to pick up a lot of noise uh, oftentimes outside my studio you'll have somebody who has a leaf blower and you may be able to hear the buzz a little bit but this microphone is designed that if I'm not directly in front of it by and large this is the same microphone Rush uses it's just not gold uh, it, it it becomes difficult to pick up those sounds so you can't hear my dog barking I've got soundproof doors but occasionally the dog is dog is by and barking you can still hear some of the noise um, so I'm I'm in, I'm I'm fascinated by all of that and last night the president used a lavalier mic and the way the lavalier mic works is the microphone it points up and it captures the sound above it so the president inhaling through his nose, you heard the whistling. <sighs> exhaling, you heard him exhaling because the lav it picks all of that up because it's above him. Now, if you had a boom mic that was above the president, like other presidents used to use, you'd have a microphone. You wouldn't see it in frame, but the president would have a, a shotgun microphone. A shotgun microphone, it means it, it points directly down and, and spreads out at a minimal range for audio. Then you wouldn't be able to hear the, the nasal sounds of the president. And, and this president brought in people who wanted to re-up his production value. And um, he decided to use the lav mic and people noticing the sound of the president speaking last night. That's why it had everything to do with the microphone. Didn't have to do with the president having coronavirus or some such. There are all sorts of conspiracy theories about how sick the president is and some such. Uh, he, he's not sick. Uh, he is he's got a lavalier mic. Now, what did the president actually say? Well, first, let me tell you, um, we're going to have the lieutenant governor of Georgia here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, it is crossover day in the legislature, and we don't want to forget about Georgia news. Likewise, uh, I want to ask him about the coronavirus and its impact on the legislature. Also, I will take your phone calls. Some of you may have questions today uh, about the president's speech, the markets. We are officially in bear market territory, uh, and I want to get into that as well. Uh, the phone number here, 877-97-ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, 877-973-7425. But to begin with, some sound bites from the president on what he intends to do. I will be asking Congress to take legislative action to extend this relief. Because of the economic policies that we have put into place over the last three years, we have the greatest economy anywhere in the world by far. Our banks and financial institutions are fully capitalized and incredibly strong. Our unemployment is at a historic low. This vast economic prosperity gives us flexibility, reserves, and resources to handle any threat that comes our way. This is not a financial crisis. This is just a temporary moment of time that we will overcome together as a nation and as a world. 
However, to provide extra support for American workers, families, and businesses, tonight I am announcing the following additional actions. I am instructing the Small Business Administration to exercise available authority to provide capital and liquidity to firms affected by the coronavirus. Effective immediately, the SBA will begin providing economic loans in affected states and territories. These low-interest loans will help small businesses overcome temporary economic disruptions caused by the virus. To this end, I am asking Congress to increase funding for this program by an additional $50 billion. Using emergency authority, I will be instructing the Treasury Department to defer tax payments without interest or penalties for certain individuals and businesses negatively impacted. This action will provide more than $200 billion of additional liquidity to the economy. Finally, I am calling on Congress to provide Americans with immediate payroll tax relief. Hopefully, they will consider this very strongly. Now, what is notable here about what the president said, and you could you could hear his his breathing there. Um, we, hey, no, seriously, seriously, no, don't don't get mad at me for putting that. There are actually people on social media spreading conspiracy theories about the president's health because they could hear him inhaling and exhaling the way he was. It had everything to do with the microphone. It had nothing to do with the president of the United States as hell. Absolutely bizarre conspiracy theories on the left, and they're totally melting down on this. Now, what I am seeing from a lot of people is... Uh, uh, sorry, Lieutenant Governor just got, uh, he, he just canceled on me, so he won't be coming up at the bottom of the hour. Um, so what I am seeing from a lot of people out there is that they don't understand why the president thinks low interest loans to companies will help. Let me explain this to, to people who don't understand. Take a restaurant. A restaurant doesn't want to lose its employees. But it has no customers coming because uh, the local municipality or the gov- governor of the state has ordered quarantines. Everybody's got to stay home. No one's allowed to go out. What do you do with those employees? Do you lay them all off or do you take a, a virtually no interest loan from the federal government, uh, borrow money from the federal government, and then take that money and apply it to payroll for the people who are out of work, the 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 cooks, the bartenders, the waitresses, the waiters, the work staff. Uh, a lot of restaurants will be able to do that because the, the loans from the federal government will virtually be without interest. So they'll be able to do it and be able to pay that back over time to the government and they'll be able to keep people having money coming in even though those people can't come to the office because they don't have jobs. You've got to find a way, and, and see, this is why it's complicated, and we'll get into the president's other stuff as well. He, he made some misstatements that uh, the White House is having to clarify this morning, uh, it, but here's the problem. In fact, um, if you if you want to see what I wrote this morning, you can go to the resurgent.com. I've got it more fully at, at my, my Substack site where I'm, I'm doing a daily newsletter. Uh, if, if you want to subscribe to the daily newsletter, um, it's, not, it's not quite daily, it's mostly daily. Uh, you can text the word show to three, three, seven, seven, seven. In addition to getting a link to the podcast, 
you'll get a link to the Substack uh, page. And, and I, you know, I, I hope you might consider subscribing. And it is somewhat selfish. It's 70 bucks a year or $7 a month. And uh, it is a way to help monetize this program in lieu of me going out and flooding you with a bunch of advertisers. Uh, you supporting me through my writing and, and radio. And you get exclusive podcasts. And you get some discounts to my conference and stuff like that. Uh, so consider the, the, the newsletter. Uh, text the word show to 33777. But, 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 but. I made the point today, and it has everything to do with the run on toilet paper. So I, I went to my, my local Publix. You, you hear me talk about my local Publix. I love those people. They are wonderful. Um, they're across the street from me. And I went by there the other day, and they were almost completely out of toilet paper. And I went yesterday, and I thought, you know, we're planning on going to the beach in a few weeks for spring break. And what if I get down there and there's been a run on toilet paper and products down there? Might as well get a little extra just to be on the safe side. I didn't buy a ton. Just a, just a several extra rolls so we could get down to the beach and, and be a-okay if we need to be. Uh, and I went in there, and they actually had full shelves of Clorox wipes. They were limiting it two per person. They had two full shelves of Lysol wipes. They had uh, mostly toilet paper. There were actually all of the big packages of toilet paper were sold out. It was the, it was the, the four. I, I got the last big package of toilet paper. They'll have more coming in today. But why are people making a run on toilet paper over the virus? And, and here's why. People believe already that they're going to be shut at home for weeks on end. And so they're stocking up on things like toilet paper because they don't want to run out to the grocery store uh, while they're quarantined at home, while they're shut in, while they're not allowed to be out. If, if the government's telling them to stay out of the public, they're, they're interpreting that as stay out of the grocery stores as well. So they are staying out of the grocery stores. Now, that should tell the government something. What it should tell the government is that an economic stimulus plan is actually not going to do any good. And that's part of why you're, I want to prepare you for this. What's happening today is you're about to see a bloodbath on the stock market like you haven't seen in a while. They had to suspend futures market trading. Futures market trading gives you a sense of what's happening. Uh, even the other day when they stopped the S&P and, and the Dow suspended for 15 minutes, they didn't stop futures trading. Today, because of the president's address last night, the markets are in free fall. And the markets open in about uh, 15 minutes. And it's, it's, it's a big deal. Prepare yourself for it. Now... What's actually going on here? An economic stimulus is not going to do anybody any good if they're too scared to leave their house. The president could get an Air Force One and fly over major cities dumping freshly printed $100 bills out of the belly of Air Force One. And people may go out and grab the money by the fistful and they're going to go back inside and stick it under their mattress. They're not even going to go to the bank to deposit it. They're not going to go shopping. They're not going to go to sporting events. They're not going to go to the grocery store. They're not going to go to the restaurants. They're going to stay home. People are beginning to get scared about this virus. And while they shouldn't be scared, they should be super precautious. I'm continuing to see, in fact, uh, the, the sports commentator, Clay Travis, is telling people that uh, this virus is less contagious than the flu. 99% of people recover. He is absolutely right that 99% of people recover. Uh, in fact, the fatality rate is 100%. Of the 99% who recover, some of them have long-term lung damage. He's leaving that out. And also, it's highly contagious. It is more contagious than the flu. The bigger issue here, and I hate to sound like a broken record, but I feel like i got to say it all the time. The bigger issue here is not the number of people getting the virus. 
that is significant. But the problem is, as more and more people get the virus, it's going to begin to mutate again and could spread in a second, more deadly wave. When the Spanish flu first went through uh, the global population, hardly anybody died. It had a death rate equivalent to the regular flu. The second wave of the Spanish flu got to 2% of the entire world's population died. Not 2% of fatalities. It was roughly, I mean, millions of people died. Millions of people died. That's what epidemiologists are worried about. The, the mass casualties of a second wave of this virus, if it goes fully global, and it is a pandemic now, it's worldwide, if it gets into enough people and continues to mutate, it mutates in a way that is more fatal and spreads again in a different way, and the people who've already gotten it get it a second time, and then they die. That's part of the concern. This virus is more contagious than the flu. It is more contagious than the cold. It is more deadly than the flu. It is more deadly than the cold. It is more deadly than pneumonia. And it's spreading globally. It is a global pandemic. And people are not going to take advantage of an economic stimulus if they're too scared to come out of their house. So what the White House needs to do is get on the same page with Congress. And what Congress needs to do is get on the same page as the White House. Now, how is this going? Well, let's just look at the last 20, 12 hours. The president addressed the nation last night. He got three major factual errors in his speech. He should probably fire a speechwriter today, uh, given what they put in the speech for him to read, including saying that there was a, a cargo embargo on Europe, which isn't true, uh, failing to note that the travel ban in Europe actually isn't a travel ban in Europe, and also uh, mischaracterizing what insurance companies would pay for. That was in the president's speech. He read the speech. Yes, the president of the buck stops here, but also the speechwriter should have never put it in the speech. Those things were wrong. It did not reassure the markets. They wanted to hear the president say he was actually going to start uh, putting uh, localized travel bans in place in this country. They wanted to hear that we were stepping up uh, the manufacture of, of testing kits. They wanted to hear that we were waiving regulations on testing kits and the things like that. Um, and they didn't get it, so the markets are going to be in free fall today. And I suspect you're going to have the White House come back out uh, and redo this later. The vice president's already come out this morning. But what did the Democrats do? Because this is a bipartisan problem. You, you can't put all of this on the president. And I know Democrats want to put all of this on the president. Uh, there was an absolute meltdown going on, uh, on on social media last night and on TV last night. You know, CNN chose to fixate on the phrase foreign virus as if that was the big takeaway from the president's speech. What did the Democrats do? They waited until after 11 o'clock last night to release a 124-page stimulus package about which they consulted the White House on nothing, and today they're saying they're going to pass it today, no one's actually read it, and they're going to dare the White House to veto it. That's no more responsible than, than getting wrong several of the key facts in the president's speech last night. And by the way, the president overwhelmingly is right on this path of uh, providing economic incentive to small businesses to shut down without risking themselves financially and allowing people to stay home. But it's also a very difficult problem. You know, a lot of doctors and nurses in this country have something called a child. And if they can't, if they've got to go to work and schools are shut down, what do you do with the child? Where does the child go? Do they have childcare? Some do, some don't. What do you do? These are complicated questions. What about the business that's on the knife edge and even they can't afford to take out this loan? Do they shut down? Do they go out of business? Do they put people out of business? If they put people out of business, do those people have to go queue up for unemployment benefits at a local office at a time we're telling people not to queue up? Do they apply online? Do they just get free money from the government? What goes on? These are very complicated questions. There are people who believe there are easy answers of just printing dollar bills and giving it to everybody. That doesn't actually work economically. It causes the devaluation of currency and massive inflation and will wreck the economy. So what do you do? 
difficult questions. Uh, what I would submit to you you shouldn't do is have a meltdown like Don Lemon did on CNN last night or be obsessed over the phrase foreign virus as most of the American media is. We're, we're headed in the right direction, but I would argue we probably need to step it up a little bit. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to call in, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. The Democratic response here is rather juvenile and juvenile, and it is essentially they are going to pass an economic stimulus plan today in the House of Representatives that no one has actually seen. It's 124 pages. They released it at 11.08 p.m. last night. They are going to debate it and pass it today. Sight unseen, no committee review, uh, and then pass it to the Senate and try to make it a political thing. Uh, I, I, I do think that that, like this foreign virus situation, is going to actually undermine our ability to get anything done. It, it is, I think it's highly irresponsible. And, of course, the media, just like impeachment, is going to cheer it on. And, and I think this actually gives the president a way around this. In fact, I think the president used the phrase uh, foreign virus from China last night because he knew the media would do exactly as Jim Acosta of CNN did. Listen to this. I think that is the speech that was expected. I think it it went well beyond what any of us really thought. I I don't think many of us were expecting the president to announce a travel ban from Europe uh, for 30 days starting at Friday uh, at midnight. Uh, That is stunning. That is going to cause major disruptions uh, to the travel industry, and it is going to cause all kinds of problems that we I haven't seen since the Trump administration tried its travel ban uh, very early on in the administration. We saw people waiting at the airport and so on, Mm -hmm. wondering if loved ones are going to get back from Europe. So it is going to be interesting to find out what the details are for administration officials in terms of how they're going to implement that. The other thing, Chris, that I think we should point out, at one point during this address, uh, the president referred to the coronavirus as a, quote, foreign virus. Uh, that, that, I think, was interesting because, as I was talking to sources earlier this evening, one of the points that the president wanted to make tonight, wanted to get across to Americans, is that this virus did not start here, uh, but that they're dealing with it. Now, why the president would uh, go as far as to describe it as a foreign virus, that is something we'll also be asking mm-hmm. questions about. But it, it should be pointed out that Stephen Miller, uh, who is a, an immigration hardliner who advises the president, is uh, one of his top domestic policy advisors and speechwriters right. uh, was a driving force in writing this speech. And I right. think it's going to smack, uh, it's going to come across to a lot of Americans as smacking of uh, xenophobia uh, right. to use that kind of term in this speech, Chris. Well, look, sometimes we can answer the questions. And the answer is he's doing it to put blame somewhere else. We've seen over the last few days McCarthy uh, and others saying the Chinese coronavirus, the Wuhan coronavirus. We get right. that. It can't be the main concern uh, right now. Even Chris Cuomo said, yeah, this can't be the main concern right now. We can move on to other stuff. Uh, you know, here's the thing that the media, and, and you do need to understand here, I, I, I don't consider myself a conspiracy theorist. I'm pretty hostile to conspiracy theories, but but I, I would point out, yes, I don't consider myself one, but I, I realize I'm going there and I know how it sounds. CNN is owned by Warner. MSNBC and NBC are owned by Comcast, Universal. ABC is owned by Disney. All of these are, oh, and CBS is owned by Viacom, which owns Paramount. All of these are media entities that are owned by film studios. And those film studios are dependent on the Chinese box office. You're not going to have American newscasts angering the Chinese right now. 
And the Chinese Communist Party is actually out there on social media this very moment uh, pushing the idea that the coronavirus originated in the United States. That is why the president of the United States has decided that he is going to refer to this as the foreign virus or the Wuhan virus. That's why Republicans are doing it. It has nothing to do with racism. It's to push back on a talking point from the communists. Why are American reporters upset at the president pushing back on communists? I have no idea. They're pushing back on Bernie Sanders. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to call in, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. The NBA is canceling the end, or suspending, I should say. They may start it up later. But basically, they're decided to cancel the whole season. And this comes after what happened in Oklahoma City last night. Uh, two days ago, Rudy Gobert, who plays for the Orlando Jazz, was uh, doing a press conference about the Orlando Jazz's COVID-19 response. And he didn't take it seriously. He thought it was no big deal. And so he leaned over and made a point of touching all the microphones and all of the recorders for all the reporters who were there to emphasize that it was no big deal. That was two days ago. Uh, last night, the Orlando Jazz was in Oklahoma City to play the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the game was about to begin, the music had started, the crowds were in the stands, and they canceled the game. Turns out that the very same Rudy Gobert, who two days ago was touching all the reporters' microphones and, and recorders, has the COVID-19. Now, here's what we know. Uh, you can be contagious for the four days before you have symptoms. So the odds are because he had symptoms and had a fever at the game last night. He apparently did have a fever. Um, we know that he was contagious for the four days prior. So it is, um, what am I? Oh, Utah. Did I say Orlando? I'm sorry. Thank you, Brent. Um, buddy of mine just texted me and said, you're saying Orlando. I have, I, I have said Orlando since yesterday. Oh my goodness gracious. I got to fix that. Don't I? Um, this is how much I keep up with the NBA. Nonetheless. Um, so the, the, the jazz were in, uh, Oklahoma city and they decided that they needed to shut down the whole game and, well, they did, and they didn't just do that. They decided to shut down the entire season because it's probably spread to the whole Utah Jazz team now. Well, here's what we know from Dr. Anthony Fauci, the head of the National Institutes of Health. What we know now is that it spreads through your breath. And we now know from a study, uh, they were just talking about this on Fox News right before the show started, uh, that it can live for three hours uh, in its surroundings. It can actually live for up to 96 hours on glass. Think about that, your tablets and devices. But three hours circulating in the air, this virus can survive. Uh, you can get it by inhaling uh, the water vapor particles that are expelled from an infected person's lungs. We now know that a, a person who is infected uh, with this virus has 10,000 times the number of viral particulates in their lungs as they do after the fever starts. So in the first uh, four days of this virus, you are highly, highly contagious and you have zero symptoms. So they've shut down the entire season for the NBA. 
Now, the NCAA, we are in March Madness. It is March 12th, and uh, the Final Four coming to Atlanta uh, will be without crowds. There will be no audience participation. They are now rumbling today that perhaps, perhaps they may shut down uh, the entire season of the final four that they don't even want the players together at this point. Uh, there are rumors about that. We will see. I, I, I have a hard time believing that, but I, I will get more into this in a little bit, but I gotta, I gotta play a little more from CNN last night because th- this, this deserves to be heard and full disclosure. I, I, I know and like Don Lemon and he has gone off the rails and he is the president. I think has genuinely broken the guy. Uh, he cannot have a rational conversation about the president any more than he can have a rational conversation about a, a black hole sucking up a 747. This is uh, Don Lemon, or I guess it was a 777. This is Don Lemon talking with John Kasich last night, uh, who I really don't like. I like Don Lemon more than I like John Kasich. I'm not a, not a John Kasich fan at all, but listen to this. I don't know if he stuck to the script or not, but the, whatever script he read I, I was wrong yeah. because they've had to clarify it several times and i just got to say if the president came out to calm people's fears he didn't do a good job of it because they've had to come back and clarify it several times and this has been going on long enough for them to get it straight we need straight accurate information from this president and this administration and we're not getting it and i don't understand why you are tiptoeing around it he came out gave an address that old that usually that happens very rarely and he doesn't get it right I'm going to tell you, first of all, he read it. And somebody that wrote this, look, I don't want to get into that. He what well, was well, on today. That's why and, you're here to talk about was, the president's can I, address. Can I finish now? No, but Let no, 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 you Let can't, John. John, because we're here to talk oh, about I the president's. Talk? Wait, we're here. I don't want you. To, I don't want you to go on and deflect and talk about something else because we're here to talk about the president's address. And and you said that someone else wrote it. He's the president. Even if someone Look, else he, wrote it, it should be I know right. he did. And he has to be resp- Don, Don. He put the, he put this thing out because there was some confusion out there, okay? This now is there's a more very confusion, John. And what I'm look, look, I'm gonna I'm trying to say to you, Don, we gotta move down the road. Looking back doesn't get things fixed. We're not I'm looking not back. Ask, the president's address more, the president's address more, was tonight. <laughs> That is the newest I I information with this, tonight will, is I the think president's it was address. I think it was fine. That's what I think. You, you think the wrong, you think me. inaccurate information that you have to it come back right and clarify tone. two or three times, you think that's fine? Uh, I, look, I thought he did fine. That's what I thought. I thought he had the right tone and he no longer played around with, we're going to blame Democrats or we're, forget this stuff. He, he's, I hope he's trying to move forward because he understands the seriousness of this situation. Uh, it pains me to agree with John Casey. Did, did, yeah. Okay, here's the problem. It, 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 let me cue off. The Politico has a story out today. Let me read you the headline of the Politico story. Trump's travel ban sidesteps his own European resorts. This is by Ryan Heath at Politico. President Donald Trump's new European travel restrictions have a convenient side effect. They exempt nations where three Trump-owned golf resorts are located. Um, y'all, 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 we got... What, a third of the United States right now is convinced this is a partisan weapon against the president of the United States and not a real virus? 
We got hospitals in this country filling up with people. Uh, we've got more cases in this country than have been reported, and we know this because there are now massive flu spikes happening in Los Angeles and New York that are unexplained, uh, that should not be happening. And so every single health expert knows this is COVID-19 spreading. Uh, South Georgia is apparently about to get its first case reported from what I'm told. Uh, yeah, that, that's none of the news yet, but I'm, I am told that South Georgia appears it may very well have its first case. Uh, and, uh, we've got Don Lemon on TV yelling about, oh, oh, screw the president's tone and screw the president wanting to take tough action. Uh, the president made a couple of misstatements that a speechwriters made and he has to own it because the speechwriters put it in and he read it and it's all him and screw him. And we got to relive all the bad things about, I hate the president and the president's wrong. And we can't actually allow the president to move beyond this. You know what this reminds me of actually, this reminds me of the internet shaming where someone from last year, two years, 10 years, 20 years ago, said something that people on the internet don't like. And so now this person's not allowed to grow up. They're not allowed to move on. They're not allowed to change the direction. You've got the media in this country nonstop yelling that the president of the United States needs to change the direct, needs to change the trajectory of the conversation. And yet he tries to change the trajectory of the conversation. And oh my God, we can't let him do that. We've, we've got to re-examine the word for word speech. He got it wrong. They had to send the vice president out. The markets are taking it it's all his fault. We can't move on from this. We need the president to come out and apologize for his speech last night and have a do-over. This is unhinged. And then to do this report at Politico that says, oh, yeah, this is this is the president's exempting his own people. He's making money off of this. A little more from this Don Lemon conversation because it's infuriating and you should hear it. And, and um, just a tip of the hat to, to Nicholas Fondacaro at uh, Newsbusters for highlighting all of this. John. That's what I think. And I, I think can we be need serious to and yes. sit here and tell you four plus four equals 85. I'm serious. That doesn't mean that I'm right. The information he gave was not right. You have to come back and clarify several times information that you gave. Listen, I tried to cut him a break at the top of the show. You mean, show. like, who's going to get back into the country? You mean, that, what, what, what is it that the clarification that you thought was so terrible? Tell me what you thought was I didn't was say so I bad. thought it was terrible. It I'm telling you that we're in the middle of a of pandemic speech. right now. We're in the middle of a pandemic. And <laughs> every know. time this president comes out, he gives inaccurate information. So I don't understand why he would even come out and do it at all if he is going to confuse the American people even more. You don't understand that? You're a governor. I, I'm surprised that you don't understand that. If no, you're not going to help, well, no, Don, if you're I not going to be no, accurate, I, why I do, do it? I do understand. What Kasich should be asking Don Lemon now is, is uh, here's a doll. Show me where the president hurt you. Because that that's what this essentially is. I mean, Don, can you shut the hell up for just a minute and let me finish speaking? Maybe you should have said that. I mean, what has the president done to break Don Lemon so badly? Don is a perfectly nice guy. He's a very nice guy. But what, what, why can't he not let John Kasich finish his point? Why is he so alarmed that John Kasich may disagree with him? Why is he so alarmed that John Kasich may be willing to point out that, yes, the president, after several days of being dismissive of this virus and attacked by Don Lemon for being dismissive of this virus, finally had a sober conversation with the American people to let them know how bad the virus actually is and what the government is going to do to help people, and John Lemon still can't get beyond it. At some point, members of the media have to realize that Donald Trump behaves differently from the normal president that they wish they had named Joe Biden. 
And while they are desperate to make Joe Biden happen to stop evil orange man, evil orange man is still president of the United States. And we should at least allow him to move beyond being dismissive of the virus after the last several days as his own National Institutes of Health director has come out and says, yes, this is actually going to get worse before it gets better. The president tried to do that last night. The media has urged the president of the United States to do that now for a couple of weeks. The president tried to do it last night and they can't let him do it now. Could I have a news network, as an aside, could I have a news network where I get the news without the commentary from the anchors and reporters? I really don't need Jim Acosta to mouth off. It was very interesting. I actually did an experiment last night. I put up uh, Fox News and I put up CNN together. Oddly enough, I had the same TVs and the CNN picture was better than the Fox picture on DirecTV and I'm not sure why that was. Um, Hannity just, everything looked a little paler. It it was weird. Um, it, It was noticeable. But, 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 um, the, the, it was interesting because it was Sean Hannity on, and I thought it was notable, uh, on Fox, you know, Sarah Palin did the whole, um, what it mass singer thing last baby got back with Sarah Palin last night. You can Google it. Maybe we'll get to it. Nonetheless. Uh, so you had on Fox news, you had Sean Hannity who was talking to John Roberts, who I know. And you had on CNN, uh, you you had Chris Cuomo talking to Jim Acosta, who I know. And when the speech was over, they came back. And what did John Roberts do? Here are the facts of what the president said. Here's a little more depth from the sources that I have. And over to you, Sean Hannity. What did Jim Acosta do? Here are the facts of what the president said. And here's what I think about the facts of what the president said. I don't really care what Jim Acosta, the reporter who's covering the White House, thinks. I I care what he knows. I don't care what Jim Acosta feels, nor do I care what Don Lemon feels. I want to know what they know. And right now, what they know is that they don't like the president, and it pollutes every single damn thing they say about the president of the United States. they got to come through, and they've got to do partisan commentary. I thought CNN was not going to become MSNBC. I thought CNN knew the difference between the apples and bananas, and apparently they've gone bananas. I, 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 can I just, as an aside here, please just bear with me. I love CNN. I grew up watching CNN. I lived overseas. Uh, CNN was the only major international news network you could get. I moved home. I remember watching the Gulf War as a kid, moving back to rural Louisiana, having lived in the Middle East, Bernard Shaw, uh, Wolf Blitzer, uh, Frank Sesno, even Judy Woodruff and, and the like. They were all there. Robert Novak, a uh, brilliant commentator. And I got to work at CNN for three years, and I treasure those three years. I made a lot of friends who still work at CNN. They are some fantastic reporters at CNN. They are incredible people at CNN. Uh, Wolf Blitzer, John King, Dana Bash, Gloria Borger, Jake Tapper, Anderson Cooper. uh, These are actually fine reporters who I know and like, and I understand, and they understand that they may have biases and worldview differences for me, and they work very hard to overcome those and tell us the truth about what's going on and try to get to the facts, and they're willing to call BS on both sides. They are. Whether you like them or not, they actually are. All of these people are willing to do it. And then you've got other people like like Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon who have decided to compete with Fox News by becoming MSNBC light. They want to be newsy, not news. They, they want to be truthy, not truth. They want to be opinion, uh, not actual fact. 
And so they have on the former governor of Ohio as a CNN contributor last night, who I don't particularly care for and am aggravated. I've got to defend the guy because he comes on and he makes a good point that it was nice to see the president finally sobering up, not dismissing the virus and saying we're going to take care of it. And what does Don Lemon do? Oh, my gosh, he didn't give us the full detail of the European travel ban. This guy can't grow up and move on. No. He's trying, and CNN can't let him do it. Don Lemon can't let him do it. Because if the president does it, it might help his poll numbers. And God forbid the president's polling goes up uh, and, and, and he wins re-election. It's just, it's, it's unfortunate to see the president having broken so many people. Yes, the president got things wrong last night. I, I wrote about it. Let, let me read you my, my precise uh, paragraph that I wrote. Consider just the last few hours. The president spoke to the nation in somber tones from the Oval Office and managed to say that we were suspending cargo shipments from Europe. We're not. He left out a significant detail related to the suspension of travel with Europe that probably should have been put in the speech. It also seems he misstated what insurance companies had agreed to cover. As for the Democrats, they unveiled their 124-page economic relief package after 11 p.m. last night and intend to get it passed today, largely sight unseen, and dare the president and Republicans to stop it. Yeah, the president got three details, misstated two, should have expanded one, but he didn't. But by and large, what did he do? He tried to reassure the nation, and he tried to make sure that everybody knows he's taking it seriously, and he tried to make sure everybody knows we're going to have economic relief. That should be the takeaway from the speech. That's the relevant takeaway from the speech. The other things, yeah, okay, one was a misstatement. Maybe there were two because insurance isn't actually necessarily going to pay for every detail of coronavirus. They are going to pay for testing. But one of them was just, I mean, the thing that Don Lemon was hung up on is the travel ban to Europe. There are actually some major exceptions to the travel ban. So it is a travel ban, but with exceptions, and the president didn't outline bullet point by bullet point the exceptions, and that's what got Don Lemon upset? Seriously? You know, if the president had spoken for 20 minutes instead of 10 minutes, Don Lemon would have been upset by the length of the speech. Maybe, just maybe, just maybe, just maybe, I don't know. I'm not going to say that. I, I, I nearly got myself in trouble and I shouldn't. Um, but, you know, man, the president has broken some people. Let me step back for a moment, please, from talking about the coronavirus. Uh, um, if you're in the Cartersville area, you probably should. Actually, I don't care where you're listening right now. You should probably know this. Uh, USA Today went out and surveyed art experts in the United States. Uh, 20, uh, they're travel experts, actually. I shouldn't say art experts, travel experts. Uh, USA Today travel experts uh, looked at uh, art museums around the world or around the United States, I should say, and wanted to name the top art museum in the United States. And it is not the High Museum of Art, but it is in Georgia. It's in Cartersville. It is the Booth Western Art Museum. It is now, uh, it's up I-75 from Atlanta, down 75 from Chattanooga. Uh, the booth is the USA Today's best art museum in the United States. It opened in 2003. It's the world's largest permanent exhibition space for Western art. It's 120,000 square feet. It's an architectural wonder designed to resemble a modern Pueblo and constructed from Bulgarian limestone, says its website. The museum is named for Sam Booth, a friend of the museum's founders. It's operated by Georgia Museums, Inc., um, and it is the 
best art museum in the United States of America. Uh, the, the the list, according to the the experts and the readers, Booth Western Art Museum in Cartersville, Georgia, Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art in Bentonville, Arkansas, Detroit Institute of Arts in Detroit, Nevada Museum of Art in Reno, Kimball Art Museum in Fort Worth, Texas, Art Institute of Chicago in Chicago, Chiluli Gardens and Glass in Seattle, the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, the Los Angeles County Museum of Art in L.A., and the Museum of Fine Arts in Houston. Now, the National Infantry Museum and Soldier Center in Columbus is listed as the third best history museum in the United States. So we got two of the best museums in the United States. Uh, I have never been to the Booth Museum. I have seen a picture of the building. It is highly impressive. If you're into Western art, uh, not just cowboys and Indians, um, it, it's worth a trip to Carterville. Just not right now. Avoid the crowds. Stay home. Bunker down. Uh, shelter in place. All of that good stuff. Um, but the time will come when you can venture out of your house again. Now, when we come back, let's look at the NCAA stuff. Uh, and and please do keep Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson in your prayers. Uh, Tom Hanks, uh, star of like every good movie ever made, uh, has tested positive for coronavirus. His son, in a shirtless video on social media, last, I got nothing. Uh, his son said that, that they're okay, uh, minimal symptoms, doing fine, uh, has talked to him. Uh, what about the symptoms? What do you expect? The Wall Street Journal has done an interview with one of the first Americans to get coronavirus. And, well, wait until you hear what this guy has to say about what he went through. Keep in mind, uh, the CDC now saying this virus at minimum 10 times more deadly than the annual seasonal flu. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. If I'm sounding like, like super amped up, it's, it's all an act. I'm, I'm trying to sound awake for you. Uh, inside my body is dying from from not having yet enough caffeine, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Uh, it I, I want to shift gears for what I wanted to talk about, and I'll get to it um, because it, it, we do have a couple of stations that come on at, at 10. And, and now that you're all with me and a captive audience because there's nowhere else to go, uh, I, I'm I'm aggravated with, with people, and I want to share my aggravation. I'm, I'm aggravated in part with the people who are doing these nightmare scenarios that millions of people are going to die. Uh, we don't believe China's numbers. We, we, we fundamentally don't believe China's numbers. I, I have it. Uh, when it comes to the, this, this COVID-19 virus, the Wuhan virus, whatever you want to call it. And by the way, it's not racist to call it a, the Wuhan virus. Um, it, it's, it's, ge geographist, I guess you could call it. Um, viruses get their name from where they originated, uh, the Wuhan virus as well. The difference is that, uh, no one in Egypt is complaining about us calling it the West Nile virus, but the communists in China are complaining about us calling it the Wuhan virus. Um, uh, but here's the thing. Um, I'm, I'm really aggravated with the people doing the straight line mathematics uh, who have decided that uh, we're going to get millions of cases in this country, which, which we haven't seen anywhere yet. Uh, no one believes the Chinese numbers, and there have been multiple reports in South Korea and Japan of ash 
falling from the clouds and or, or gray particulate coming from the clouds. And, and people are very certain that the Chinese have cremated a lot of dead bodies. So we don't know what the actual impact in China was. The fact that they so rapidly shut things down, though, when it got out of control suggests it was actually far worse than what they're letting on. But we can see some stuff that's happening around the world that does trouble epidemiologists. And I, I really genuinely uh, want to to put this in perspective. And I want you to understand what's going on. And I want to give you this number. Uh, it has not yet updated overnight. Um, but when I started this program yesterday at 9 a.m., there were 10,000 people in Italy who had COVID-19. When I finished my second radio program, or started my second radio program yesterday, the number was 12,300. By the time that I finished my radio program yesterday evening, the number was 12,462. And we haven't seen the updated daily totals from Italy yet. 12,462. Now, here's what's notable. And let me put this in perspective for you. Of those 12,462 cases, over 9,000 of them have happened in the last eight days. In the last eight days, uh, that, that's what's happened. There are 827 deaths in Italy right now. And these are not, and, and I keep seeing this from people who say, oh, the Italian healthcare system is worse than ours. Uh, these are some of the leading research hospitals globally in Italy where they're seeing these patients die. Um, these are not cash-starved, poor research facilities. Uh, that's a death rate, by the way, of 6.6% in Italy. Uh, again, the, these, are not the, these are not impoverished hospitals in Italy, um, and they're seeing a 6% death rate. Now, as, as uh, let me play this from Anthony Fauci yesterday. Uh, just a couple of sound bites for you from Anthony Fauci. With regard to vaccines, as I've mentioned publicly many times, we were able to very quickly go from an understanding of what this virus was to what the genetic sequence was to actually developing a vaccine. But there's a lot of confusion about developing a vaccine. In the next, I would say, four weeks or so, we will go into what is called a phase one clinical trial to determine if one of the candidates, and there are more than one candidate, there are probably at least 10 or so that are at various stages of development. The one that we've been talking about is one that involves a platform called messenger RNA, but it really serves as a prototype for other types of vaccines that are simultaneously being developed. Getting it into phase one in a matter of months, is the quickest that anyone has ever done literally in the history of vaccinology. So the vaccine has not yet been developed. That's part of the problem. We All these rumors about an imminent vaccine have, have are, are problematic. And, and now let me play you one more from Anthony Fauci. Well, SARS was also a coronavirus in 2002. It infected 8,000 people and it killed about 775. It had a mortality of about nine to 10%. So that's only 8,000 people in about a year. In the two and a half months that we've had this coronavirus, 
as you know, we now have multiple multiples of that. So it clearly is not as lethal, and I'll get to the lethality in a moment, but it certainly spreads better. Probably for the practical understanding of the American people, the seasonal flu that we deal with every year has a mortality of 0.1%. The stated mortality overall of this, when you look at all the data, including China, is about 3%. It first started off as 2 and now 3 I think if you count all the cases of minimally symptomatic or asymptomatic infection, that probably brings the mortality rate down to somewhere around 1%, which means it is 10 times more lethal than the seasonal flu. I think that's something that people can get their arms around and understand. So we don't have a vaccine, and it's more lethal than the seasonal flu. Uh, Here's another issue that they're concerned about. Uh, For every 1,000 people, the United States has 2.8 hospital beds. For every 1,000 Americans, the United States has 2.8 hospital beds. Italy actually has a higher number per 1,000 people, 3.2. China has 4.3. South Korea has 12.3. More hospital beds per 1,000 people than the United States. Uh, A buddy of mine just texted me, Italy actually has less uh, intensive care uh, beds from what the New York Times and the BBC and the CDC are all saying, including the the Centers for Disease Control. That's not actually true. Italy actually has more intensive care beds per 1,000 people than the United States as well uh, because it has a much older population than the United States. That's actually one reason that Italy uh, is seeing this virus spread. It's older people. However, Italian doctors are saying, hold on, we're starting to see 40-year-olds winding up in ICU and in intubation uh, because this virus is more deadly than was originally advertised. So we don't have the hospital capacity. And one of the things that the reason they're sounding the alarm from the CDC here is because of the lack of hospital capacity. Uh, Again, and I'm just going to say this every day now, uh, the odds of you getting this virus are actually really small. And the odds of you making a full recovery from this virus are actually really damn good. 99% of people will make a full recovery problem is that if you're over 65, um, that goes down to about 85% uh, will recover, which is still good, but that's a lot of people. And the great news is that if you are under the age of 21, you'll make 100% recovery. The problem is what happens in between, and what we're starting to see now of people recovering abroad is that the lung damage uh, is is long-term lung damage from this virus. That's only just now being reported, uh, people with lesions in their lungs, scar tissue in their lungs that isn't going to heal long-term. But the bigger issue here is that if we do have a big spread in this country, and we're at the point now where this virus has crossed the Rubicon, so to speak, of of being able to double every two days in our population, uh, we're going to have a lot of people who need hospital space, and we're not going to be able to put them in hospital space. In Italy right now, again, for every 1,000 people, Italy has more hospital beds than us. For every 1,000 people, Italy has more intensive care beds than us, and Italy is having to make a decision of who lives and who dies. And Italian doctors are working infected and working because they don't have enough manpower. 
there's a, a huge article uh, out in the BBC about Italian doctors who have been infected by this virus, and they're covering themselves up and continuing to work until they have symptoms that require them to have bed rest because there aren't enough doctors to work. They're working basically 24-hour shifts now, and they've got the point now where if you've got some sort of serious illness beyond the coronavirus, then they're telling patients that there's nothing they can do for them. They need the beds for people they know they can get better, and they know these patients can't. None of this is to scare you. And I'm, I'm, I'm really actually hacked off at the people who are downplaying this so minimally because what's going to happen is you're going to have a bunch of people who say it's no big deal and they're going to go out and they're going to get it and they're going to spread it to other people. My wife, and, and if I'm sensitive to this, I, I am because my wife has lung cancer. Uh, and, and if she was in Italy and she got it, she'd be one of the lists. She'd be on the list of people who would get no health care treatment. The odds of you getting it are small, but it's growing. And we're past the point now where the virus can double every two days within our population. So right now in the United States, uh, we have 1,323 people who have it. Consider this, uh, in, the, in Georgia, just the other day, we had seven cases. Uh, yesterday, we had 20 cases. Today, we have 31 cases. So two days ago, just, just let, let me put this in, in full perspective for you so you understand what we're dealing with. Three days ago, we had seven cases of coronavirus in Georgia. Two days ago, we had 11 cases in Georgia. One day ago, we had 22 cases in Georgia. Today, we have 31 cases in Georgia. I'm told that number will be going up later today when they revise it. It's jumping in the state. It's no longer confined to Metro Atlanta. Uh, Places outside of Atlanta are starting to see the virus crop up. Uh, we have, look at the situation in, in Washington State, 373 cases, uh, 342 of them still, 30 people dead, one recovered. When it gets into nursing homes, it's, it's not good. Louisiana has 13 cases. Four days ago, Louisiana had no cases. Colorado has 34 cases. Two days ago in Colorado, they had five cases. And this is from people from testing. Remember, one of the things that separates the United States from a lot of these other countries is that we haven't been doing a lot of testing. Uh, we don't have a lot of test kits. So we're having to double up on the test kits in this country to get people tested. We're starting to see flu outbreaks in cities where the flu should be on decline. And a lot of healthcare experts are saying this is probably the coronavirus. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, first of all, don't actually panic. The reason that everybody's putting this on your radar screen is uh, for a couple of reasons. And let me explain those reasons to you. One, this virus is more contagious than the flu and we want to contain it. And what you and I both know is going to happen is a bunch of people, and this is just going to piss me off further uh, come a couple of months from now. People are going to say, see, you spent all this time on the radio for two weeks and it really wasn't that big deal. Only about 100,000 people got it and the flu gets 21 million people a year. Yeah. I'm sorry. People just, people are stupid. The reason we won't get as many flu cases, the reason we won't get as many coronavirus cases as we got flu cases is because the United States has decided, one, there is no vaccine, and two, it's far more contagious. So three, we need to shut everything down. The NBA is shut down. The NCAA is shutting down. Outdoor activities are, are shutting down. It, it is absolutely crazy, and I don't care about people trying to send me information, and yes, I'm, I'm, I'm sub-talking to a friend of mine right now, uh, trying to correct my information uh, when I've gotten all this stuff from the CDC. Stop trying to correct me right now when I know I'm right on this stuff. Good Lord, leave me alone at this point. 
Um, all you're doing is making me mad. The point of the matter is that healthcare in this country could be better. We could have more tests in this country. We need more tests in this country. There are a lot more people who have this virus than you know. And if you get it, you're probably going to be fine, but your grandparents are probably going to die. I don't see the need for people to push. And I realize there are contrarians out there. And I'm not trying to make friends of mine mad at me right now. I realize there are contrarians out there who they're hearing all of this hype and this nonstop stuff in the media. And they're saying it's really not that big deal. If you get it, 99% of people are going to survive. But here's the point that everybody seems to miss. This is a phase one coronavirus. And I am no expert, but I know how to listen to the experts. Do you know when SARS originally came through, it killed a few hundred people, a few thousand people got it. No big deal. The virus mutated and the second wave, thank God, avoided this country it killed way more people. The swine flu actually killed way more people in its second year than it did in the first year. The Spanish flu in 1918 killed 2% of the entire world's population in the first year. How many people did the Spanish flu kill? Zero. It's a coronavirus. It is the phasing that concerns the epidemiologists. That's why they don't want you to be in large crowds. They know that if you get the coronavirus right now, you're going to be fine more likely than not, unless you're over 65. They absolutely know that. But if they tell you if you get it, it's no big deal, what are you going to do? You're still going to go into the big crowds. And you're going to say, oh, I'm going to be fine if I get it. It's no big deal. You are this year. When it comes back next year, you're going to die. I'm so damn tired of all of the people on the right treating this as a political thing. Oh, oh, let me be contrarian because really 99% of people are going to be fine. Yeah, you're absolutely right this year. This year. How many people are going to get it? You know, hopefully not a lot. Hopefully not a lot. Hopefully 10,000 people maybe. That, that, that seems to be a lot of people. Oh, a million people are going to get this. No, stop doing your stupid straight line math. Behaviors are changing already. That many people aren't going to get it. But it's going to have a massive economic impact. A lot of your friends are going to be out of work. A lot of restaurants are probably going to shut down. Small businesses are going to be impacted because people are scared to leave their house. And people are not going to leave their house now at this point until the president of the United States actually does something to calm people down. And last night in his speech, he began that process. And what does the media want to do? The media has got to keep the soap opera going because they're continuing to amp it up. Y'all, come on here. We're actually dealing with a global pandemic. We're dealing with a global pandemic where the majority of people who get the virus are going to survive. But now we know that a lot of the people who are going to survive are going to have lifelong lung damage. That's only just now being reported. We also know the older you are, the worse it's going to get. We also know this is phase one of a coronavirus, and when phase two and three hit, they tend to be far more deadly than phase one. So if you can contain it and stop people from spreading it and stop people from leaving their house and going to large events, we're all better off. I don't need your data. I don't need your, your Clay Travis said it's, it's not as easy to get as the flu. I don't need your internet celebrity, and I don't need your freaking essential oil recipes. What I need you to do is understand this isn't an elaborate conspiracy to own the president of the United States. What I need you to do is realize that it actually is far more serious than you say it is. What I need you to do is understand we're not all going to die. But please listen to the experts. I realize nobody trusts anybody anymore except your internet friend with the essential oil recipe for cardamom and cinnamon. But that person may get the coronavirus too from their essential oil. Just listen to Anthony Fauci if no one else. Community spread is happening in the country. You want to contain it because you don't want it to mutate further. So just stay out of large crowds. You don't need to go hoarding toilet paper. If you're going to go to the beach, drive to the beach. Don't fly to the beach. And calm down. But for the love of God, stop acting like this is no big deal because you're going to make it a bigger deal. I, 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 
I need to give a, a commendation shout out an award to my friend Brent, uh, who is, is subtexting me my text uh, as I talk. Uh, but he was kind enough to text me that I had left the camera on, uh, right after I went to break and, and I was, uh, seriously about to have to, to rub my nose and he, Thank you for telling me to turn the camera off, Brent. You are my hero today. You get a gold star on your forehead. Um, that would have been embarrassing. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, so can, can I be honest with you for a minute? Um, it is allergy season as well. And so I've got the dry cough and I've got the congestion nose. And thank God I have the congestion or I would think, oh, my gosh, I've got the coronavirus. Um, all I can do these days is blow my nose and I'm doubling up on allergy medicine and it's gross. Uh, but thankfully, it's just allergies. Uh, I have such terrible allergies. And it's come early this year, too. The pollen's not even in the pine trees yet in, here in Georgia. My car, so I've, I, I had a, a white car forever. And I've realized everybody likes a black car. A black car is cooler. Let's just acknowledge uh, my kids think a black car is cooler. Uh, you, you know, uh, my guest host, Chris Burns, he and I have the exact same car, except he's got black rims. And my kids tell me all the time he's got a cooler car because he's even got the black rims. And it really makes me mad because my car is better than his. But nonetheless, I, I'm learning the downside of having a black vehicle is that you see everything, all of the dirt. It, it's absolutely crazy to me. And I. I, I really want to go back to a white car, but I would be shamed by my family if I went back to a white car. That's just the, the truth of it. My my buddy across the street from me has got a blue McLaren now, and I'm really jealous about that. So is my kid. Uh, now, nonetheless, all right, we, we I really want to move on to others. I don't want to spend an entire show on the coronavirus again. Uh, we got other stuff we need to do, but before we can do any of that, um, I do actually need to talk about churches being suspended. There may be some overkill there. Uh, Washington State intends by executive order, the governor of Washington State wants to order churches to not meet this Sunday, which is highly unconstitutional. Uh, and the Kentucky governor is asking churches not to meet. But why isn't he asking other people to not meet? That's kind of the problem here. We'll get into that and we'll take your phone calls as well when we come back. 877-973-7425. All right, I, so I've got a party foul that is happening uh, with my producer who doesn't like it when I text people or tweet during the show. And literally as I'm coming back on, uh, he sends me a tweet to look at and says uh, his, his direct tweet was, holy, I can't use the second word and it doesn't begin with an S, probably not for air. So my question for my producer is, is I was coming back on air when you sent this to me. If I play this, does it have profanity in it? Is it going to get me thrown off the air? Because I think I want to play this on the radio right now, and I need direction from my producer to actually tell me. I, I will await his answer because I think this is something we probably all need to hear. While I'm awaiting his answer, and I realize he said probably not fair, but I'm thinking it's worth airing here for just a moment. Nonetheless, uh, I, I do want to move on to some of the other things. Uh, Washington State wants to shut down churches, which is unconstitutional. Uh, and I, I, they're at this point, though, they've got this mass outbreak in Washington State. They've got 30-some-odd uh, people dead already. Uh, he says, I didn't say play it. I just said don't play. Okay, fine. I just wasn't sure if there was profanity or something in it because I actually want to play it on air if there's no profanity just so I can laugh at it with the audience. 
audience, but he doesn't want me to laugh at it with you on the air. So I, I won't. <laughs> oh, you people should see the things I put up with. Nonetheless, I will move on in Kentucky. The governor of Kentucky, Andy Bashar, uh, wants churches to not meet this Sunday. Now, you know, I, I got to be honest with you. I, so I'm a little torn on this myself. I am uh, I'm on the, the, the ushering committee at church this month. I just I, I didn't ask for this month. I would prefer a different month, but they just randomly assigned me at church to to be on the ushering group this month where you hand out the programs and you collect the 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 tithes and offering and, and you clean up after church. And I'm totally fine doing it, except I, I'm kind of thinking, you know, my wife's got lung cancer and, and the CDC is avoiding people in those situations to avoid gatherings of people. And I'm, I'm starting to think I may need to weasel out of ushering for the rest of the month, uh, given the situation. Now, there are no reported cases in Macon yet. Uh, the, the odds are very, very good. You know, what's so funny here is is the amount of rumor mongering that goes on about these things. Ah, oh, so-and-so down the street works at the hospital and says there's a case and they're not allowed to tell anybody. That's not the way this works, people. I mean, seriously, it, it, is, it is not the way this works. If there's a case at the local hospital, it's going to be rapidly reported and get into the public. The idea that there are secret cases of the virus around the country. Now, there are people who are infected and we have no idea they're infected. But the idea that there is some sort of secret, um, there's some secret quarantine. This reminds me, remember the FEMA trailers during the Obama administration, the nutters who were convinced that that, uh, that there were rounded up camps of people around the country or, or the Jade Helm thing? But yeah, there are people in, in my neighborhood, in fact, on next door, as a matter of fact, there are people, on, you know, the next door app, if, if you don't know where the next door app is. So next door is like Facebook for neighborhoods. It's a more pleasant version of Facebook where it's your neighbor. So if, if there's a car break in or something, you can get on this app. And the way you actually get into the app is you get mailed. A, you actually get mailed a physical postcard and the physical postcard comes to you and says, uh, here is your access code. Your neighbors would like you to be on this website. And you think it's a scam at first, and then you keep getting these in the mail. You're like, okay, I'll check it out. And sure enough, everybody in your neighborhood talks about next door. And you get on next door, and it's, hey, I need a lawn man. Who do you recommend? Does anybody have a housekeeper recommendation? Uh, I, I saw three youths running through the neighborhood who shouldn't be there. A couple of weeks ago, the big scandal in our neighborhood is, is some private contractor for AT&T sent two young men through the neighborhood knocking on doors with iPads telling everybody that you had fiber in the neighborhood now. I've been waiting for fiber in my neighborhood, by the way. Those of you who watch this connection online, you can understand I've been having internet connection problems and I got to figure something out and I'm thinking I may need a fiber line in the house and AT&T's got them in the neighborhood now. That's beside the point. The latest rumor on on Nextdoor, and it's not just in my neighborhood, uh, it's friends of mine who do Nextdoor in their neighborhoods are hearing it too, that there are super secret cases of, of the coronavirus in local hospitals. And I, I've heard it all over the place, these super secret rumors of, of either the teacher has it or the patient has it or the doctor has it. And none of it is true. I mean, everybody starts the, these rumor mongering things and man, it is just spinning out of control. But back to the churches. 
I'm 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 skeptical of whether or not I should. I, I I don't know that I should take my wife, given her health situation, to church, uh, and and probably will wind up not doing it just because you got to shake hands with people as they come in the door and you hand them the programs and all that stuff, and you're in, you're in near close quarters contact with them, and that that puts my wife at risk, uh, given the situation. And I am very sensitive to this with my wife having lung cancer, uh, that I want to be careful about the situation, but. Largely, so Andy Bashar, the governor of, of Kentucky, has asked churches not to meet this weekend. And here's the funny thing about it. He didn't ask that other gatherings stop. He didn't ask that sports gatherings stop. He didn't ask that concerts stop. He didn't ask that, that meetings and conferences stop. He just asked churches to stop. And a lot of churches in Kentucky felt single out. Now, the, the guy, listen, he I disagree with him on politics. He, he's he's a Democrat, uh, His but his father and his grandfather were Baptist ministers, and I'm sure that had something to do with his thinking of asking them to stop. But this is a larger issue here uh, than it's probably one of those situations where he needs to make it about gatherings and not about churches and not do what Washington state did where they're banning churches from meeting this weekend, which is unconstitutional. A lot of churches are said they're not going to meet this weekend. What would Martin Luther do? By the way, the gospel coalition has a big article up. Uh, Martin Luther refused to flee the bubonic plague. Uh, in fact, Martin Luther stayed behind and, and helped people as best he could dealing with the plague when it hit Wittenberg. Uh, he made a couple of demands on the local government. He insisted, for example, that the uh, Wittenberg Cemetery be moved outside the city walls. The The cemetery had been inside the city. He recognized that as a health hazard. Uh, he went around helping people and, and providing them spiritual comfort and a, as, as much relief as he also could, providing them uh, fresh water and things like that. He kept himself immaculately cleaned as possible to avoid himself getting that. You know, that, that is one of the, the, the modern miracles of all of this is a cleanliness is next to godliness when it comes to this sort of thing. Now, we know with this coronavirus that you exhale and someone breathes in the water vapor uh, from your lungs who is close to you, they're going to get it. But we also know that if you if you stand back uh, more feet, the virus uh, dif- is diffuse in the air and it increases your chances of not getting it. And we also know that if you wash your hands and don't touch your face, and, and by the way, it is impossible for me. I have tried it. I have tried. My Lord in heaven, I have tried. I have prayed to my Lord in heaven to give me self-control to not touch my face. And now just even thinking about it, I want to touch my face and scratch my nose. But I can wash my hands and, and use hand sanitizer. You know, one of the urban legend things that's circulating out there is that hand sanitizer will not actually work on this coronavirus. I have seen that from so many people. Uh, in fact, a, a friend of mine has actually texted me and said, uh, don't waste my time with hand sanitizer. It is true that soap and water works best. But hand sanitizer, if you cover your hands in hand sanitizer, not a thin little drop, but an actual large goop and cover your hands so they're wet, uh, it actually does kill the coronavirus. The coronavirus is actually perfectly suited for hand sanitizer. To be clear, there are viruses that the hand sanitizer will not kill. Coronavirus is uniquely shaped in such a way that hand sanitizer is very deadly to the virus. Soap and water is very deadly to the virus, and you don't need antibacterial soap. You just need regular soap. 
Uh, so yes, uh, those sorts of things, cleanliness is next to godliness, stay out of large crowds, do stuff like that. So I, I get the concerns about churches meeting. Uh, you got a lot of elderly people go to church and things like that. So I get it. But even now, like the, the, uh, good morning America, I didn't even realize good morning America has, has a live audience now. Not anymore. They stopped it. The view, those angry old women on the view have decided not to have a live studio audience. How are they going to, do they have a laugh track for those people? Because I would imagine that it's even more humorless without a crowd to react to because they clearly feed off the crowd. And and even the late night shows, the Stephen Colbert's, the Jimmy Kimmel's, the Jimmy Fallon's of the world, um, um, the rest of them, they're getting rid of their live studio audience. Now, I'm sure they have a laugh track. I guarantee you those people have a laugh track. I guarantee you that, that those people have... Um, have people out there who will cheer them on and, and clap for them, and it's all fake. But an empty crowd. Clearly, steps are being taken. I mean, for goodness sakes, the NCAA has decided that March Madness is going to be without an audience. Now, to be clear here, um, the families will be allowed to come in. The families of players will be allowed to come in, and personnel will be allowed to come in, but general audiences will not be allowed to come in. And that's going to be, I guess it'll be fine. Um, most people are going to watch it on TV anyway. Most people can't afford the tickets. But think about the hotel. See, think about Atlanta. I mean, we're, we're, we're in Georgia here. Atlanta is, is an hour up the road from me. And you're going to have uh, hotels. We're expecting crowds. They're not going to get them. Airlines, we're expecting people. They're not going to get them. I got to tell you, the counterintuitive, like, like, you know, I, I'm I'm big critical, highly critical of the people who go contrarian at times like this. But the contrarian in me, I've seen so many friends of mine on planes in the last three days, and there, I mean, they got seats to themselves. I can't think of the last time that I was on a plane where I didn't have someone sitting next to me, including Pukey Woman, two weeks ago, and that I could get on a plane right now and fly across the country. And the odds are really good no one is sitting next to me. I'm kind of tempted to do it. Boost my frequent flyer miles while no one's flying. I'm, I'm kind of tempted to do it. But I got to worry about my wife's situation. What I really need, private jet. I'm whispering because, you know. But nonetheless, I, I'm thinking of doing it. But, uh, you know, they're limiting crowd space. So Delta's going to be impacted. Delta's going to be impacted by the European travel ban. Uh, Delta is really going to be impacted. Restaurants are going to be impacted. That, by the way, if you're in the charitable mood, consider making donations to your local food bank because there are going to be people when, when, when your local community gets terrorized by this virus and it inevitably is going to be, uh, and they're going to be without food and they're going to need food. I do hope local churches are prepared for this. Um, you know, again, I mentioned Martin Luther King, or not Martin Luther King, I'm sorry, Martin Luther, <laughs> difference between the two. Martin Luther, alive during one of the outbreaks of the plague in Wittenberg, Germany, made sure that local churches were, were doing a very good job of going around and caring for local populations. And Martin Luther said, listen, if, if you need to leave, preservation of life is perfectly biblical. If you need to leave, leave. But if you've got family to take care of and they can't leave, you don't leave. You stay and take care of the family. 
And I, I think that's sound advice. And one of the things that he admonished is that leaders should stay put, and that includes church leaders, and church leaders has a, have an obligation to tend to their flock. And I do wonder if local churches in the country are thinking about that, that what is the local church do? And it's not just a, do we have church on Sunday? There's a pandemic, a global pandemic. Do we have church on Sunday? Do we activate a live stream? Do we figure out how to stream it on the internet? There's actually more to it than that. Do we do a, do we do an audit of who is active in the community in our church? And do we do an audit to see which of them are sick? And do we figure out who can go deliver food to those houses? Even if you can't go inside because you're worried about getting the virus, is, is there food that you can leave at the door? Is there a way to take care of these people in the church community so that others don't have to do it? Is there essentially, is there a way now this, this is uh, honestly, I, I really do believe this. Uh, there is a way for churches to assist local communities at a time that so many people are going after Christians and going after churches and churches are bad and, and, and Christianity is a bunch of hooey. There's a way for Christianity, a way for churches to show in their local community that they're a part of the community. They're not just this random building that people fill up on Sunday and it's otherwise empty. Uh, and part of that is you can offload community resources to allow them to attend to people who aren't churched and the church can take care of their own. And then the church, once it's taking care of their own, can extend their capacity to others so that local nonprofits, local community organizations and foundations and the government know that there are a subset of the community that they don't have to worry about because the church has this. That should be part of what the church does. And I, I, I don't know whether churches are prepared to do that or not, but I would admonish you, if you're in a church, if you're a leader in a church, start thinking about that. Uh, can you do an audit of who are your regular churchgoers who live in your community? Frankly, who are the people who are on your church rolls who never come to church anymore? And reach out to those people and let them know that that uh, if you need help, we're here to help. If you need a meal, we're here to have a meal. If you can't get out of your house because of this virus, let us know. We can deliver at least canned goods or we can deliver a meal, something like that. We don't have to come inside. We don't want to come inside. We don't want to spread the illness, but we want to make sure you're safe. Uh, there, there's a way to do that to free up the capacity of other nonprofits, the Salvation Army, the Red Cross, the local food bank, the local homeless shelter, uh, the local soup kitchen, uh, in a way that churches can do so that everybody is being taken care of. And then if the churches have excess capacity to go help those other organizations help, uh, this is a great opportunity, I think, for the church in the country to be able to stand up again and show that they're relevant to the culture at this time in need. Uh, I, I, I think it's it's worthwhile doing. I don't know whether the people are thinking about that, but I hope they're thinking about it. Uh, mule delivery service for neighbors in time of need, I think, is, is one of the big things that brings local community back together. And I've got to tell you this, I, I say this all the time, but honest to goodness, your Facebook friend is not going to bring you food. It's your next door neighbor. It's your local church. It's your local nonprofit if you're sick and, and down and out. But here's the other thing, because there are going to be a lot of people who are like me and my family. We are not going to ask anybody for help. If something happens to the Erickson household, uh, particularly, and you know what, honestly, it's more my wife than me. I, I'm okay with it. In fact, my wife had surgery uh, a couple of years ago, and I was totally fine uh, with the church bringing us meals. And my wife's like, the kids aren't going to eat it. It's like, well, what about me? Um, and and 
my wife does not like to ask for help. And I, there are a lot of cases where I, I really don't like to ask for help at all. There are a lot of people who don't want to ask for help and, and they feel like they're putting people out. Uh, I am, I am very willing to help a whole bunch of other people. And I really hate to ask other people for help. Part of my problem. I, I, I hate to say no, and I hate to ask for help. Uh, and there are lots of other people like me out there. And, and sometimes churches have to be somewhat insistent, but uh, being able to take care of people in the local community, it's not just the community obligation. If you're part of local church, I would encourage you to be thinking about that. Uh, what can you do? Now, can we please, 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 can we move on? I'm hoping we can. I still got more stuff I want to say about coronavirus, but we've also got Bernie Sanders out there. Sanders, everyone expected him. He held a press conference yesterday. Everyone thought he was going to drop out. Oh, no, 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 my friends. He did not drop out. You know, it's crossover day in the state legislature. Uh, and you know what they did in the House yesterday at the very last minute while everyone's distracted by the coronavirus? They shoved out of committee uh, a gambling measure for in-state casinos after saying they weren't going to do it. They made sure everybody was distracted and they did it. I, I, I want to let you guys know, I am actually uh, totally okay with gambling. I, I don't gamble myself unless it's Chris Burns' money. Uh, I I like to go to Las Vegas because I'm a, f I, well, I'm not really a foodie. I, I don't like pretentious food, but they got great restaurants in Las Vegas. I actually enjoy going to Vegas, um, and but I'm actually opposed to having a, a physical casino in the state of Georgia, less so than I used to be, but, but by and large, the problem with the legislation, so that you understand this, is the way they're designing this so-called destination casino is that a certain percentage of the revenue of the casino would have to come from entertainment. And that's a problem for various venues around the state, whether you're talking about the Fox Theater in Atlanta or the Grand Opera House or the City Auditorium or, or the Coliseum in Macon or um, the, the the center in, in Athens. Um, where What is the place in Athens where I've been? I can't remember the name of it now. Uh, but, but around the state, there are music venues and entertainment venues. And the way that this legislation is designed to come out of the House of Representatives, that came out of the House of Representatives, uh, the way it's designed is to ensure that a lot of the business going to those local venues around the state would go to the so-called destination casino. And they could, by and large, uh, monopolize a lot of performers who would be going to these other venues, and it would actually cause economic havoc. The other thing that the legislation does is it insists that a certain percentage of uh, revenue come from foods, and that's going to hurt local restaurants. Uh, the, 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 the casino industry has been making a lot of donations to Republicans in the state to push this legislation. They promised it was not going to come back through, but on the very day before crossover, they pushed it out. It's for a floor vote today. I actually am very much opposed to it. I'm not opposed to sports betting in Georgia. I'm really not. I'm not opposed to sports betting in Georgia. I'm not even truly opposed at this point to, to something like, you know, you go to D.C., you got the MGM Grand, it, it's it's fine if it could be done that way. But this legislation is a bad idea. Uh, and the legislation is a bad idea because it specifically is structured to take uh, entertainment attractions and restaurants away from local areas and put them in this one location. And so the economic impact would actually be negative to the state. The other thing is there has never been, I am not aware of an example, and there are plenty of studies out there that are not funded by the casino industry that show that every state that's done this to boost the education scholarships in the states 
actually don't see a boost because even the government can't bet against the house odds in in the the casinos are able to structure their revenue in such a way that it makes it look like they're not earning as much money as they are and then they use entertainment as a loss leader to people uh, bring in people to the casinos to gamble uh it, it becomes an unfortunate structure and i think it's a bad idea I'm, I'm totally okay with sports betting in georgia at this point i don't know i may be the only person i know who doesn't bet on sports in this country I, I, honest to goodness, I'm well, no, no, no. I, I got a couple of friends who are as clueless when it comes to sports as I am and don't do it. But overwhelmingly, virtually every single one of my friends now has an app on their phone where they can place bets on, on games. And I'm totally okay with, with the state building a facility at the Brave Stadium or at uh, Mercedes Benz for people when they're watching a game to be able to go and, and, um, to go and place a bet, but having a casino in the state would actually do economic damage to some of the great music venues and entertainment venues in the state, the way this bill is structured. And again, they said they weren't going to do it and they waited till the last minute to rush it through. And that is a real problem that I have with this. I, I welcome, let, let me start there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson show. And the phone number, if you want to call in is eight, seven, seven, nine, seven, Eric. 877-973-7425. I should not laugh. None of us should laugh. I'm not going to laugh. You really shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't laugh. Um, but man, you, you can, you can be just livid at this. Um, I suspect that Rudy Gobert's days on the Utah jazz are numbered. Wow. So, okay. So it, it, let, let me bring you up to this. If you get uh, COVID-19, we now know for certain that for at least four days prior to having any symptoms, you are contagious. That is one reason it is spreading like it is, is there's a four day period where you have no symptoms and you are contagious. And then you start getting symptoms. And your symptoms may be mild. Your symptoms may be serious. There's an article in the Wall Street Journal today of a guy who got it on a trip to Italy and, and wrote about his experience and his went very, very badly wrong. Uh, but uh, two days ago, Rudy Gobert, he is with the Utah Jazz and there was a press conference of what the Utah Jazz was planning on doing to minimize the outbreak of COVID-19 and to show he thought it was no big deal. He rubbed his hands over all the microphones and recorders uh, that were around him uh, as he walked out of the room and last night at a game between the Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder, who names their team the th stupid name? Uh, nonetheless, uh, so is the Jazz. But anyway, um, well, they had to shut down the game just as it was beginning because Rudy Gobert, yep, two days after rubbing his hands all over people's microphones, he had the symptoms and he's positive for COVID-19, had fever while he was there. Donovan Mitchell now, a fellow player on the Utah Jazz, has tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, jazz players privately are telling ESPN that Rudy Gobert had been careless in the locker room, touching other players and their belongings, and now a teammate has tested positive. Uh, <laughs> um, let me just say that I suspect there are going to be other players who who beat the snot out of him, I, I would imagine. They're not going to want him on the team. They're, they're just not going to want him on the team after doing something like this, I don't imagine. Uh, goodness gracious. Uh, and, and here I, I keep wanting to move on from this stuff, and the news just keeps breaking. I might as well do a, a um, an update for you now as we've gotten some new data 
that continues to pour in here from around the world. Uh, you know, the, the, even the Associated Press, by the way, has come out and said, hey, the good news is uh, 68,000 people have recovered from this thing. Only 127,863 have gotten it and 68,310 have recovered from it, which is actually really good news. The, the world is responding. People are shutting down. The, the European Union is livid at Donald Trump. Oh, here's this breaking news. Uh, Major League Soccer is suspending its season immediately until further notice due to the coronavirus, according to Sports Illustrated. So now you've got the uh, NBA is suspended and soccer is suspended. You know, the, what, what is the Braves opener? The Braves opener is coming up soon. They've been in spring training, and I suppose they are... Um, I suppose they're going to... Suspend that, I would imagine. Right now, Major League Baseball says it's on, but I'm 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 guessing not. Oh dear, um, a man who stood next to President Trump at Mar-a-Lago five days ago. Uh, his name is Fabio Wangarten. He has tested positive for coronavirus. Um, so we'll see if the president uh, gets the coronavirus now. Goodness gracious, the the news just keeps breaking so fast right here. Uh, there's a hearing right now uh, with Anthony Fauci. Uh, Clay Higgins, representative from Louisiana, is demanding that it be adjourned. And now if you want your news dump of the day, man, taking advantage of this. Duncan Hunter, Duncan Hunter, the, the former congressman. Uh, Duncan Hunter, former congressman, uh, news dump today. Perfect time to, to news dump this so no one pays attention to it. Congressman Duncan Hunter in a news dump today uh, is admitting to having engaged in at least five extramarital affairs, subsidizing travel with his mistresses with money donated to his campaign. It included a romantic weekend at Lake Tahoe. Holy moly. All right. Uh, the, the news just in every direction. See, this is the perfect time to dump the news. I told you, nobody's talking about impeachment anymore, are they? Nobody's talking about impeachment. Nobody's talking about the Iran situation. Nobody's talking about the North Korean situation. Uh, what, what were the other big scandals? No one's talking about the kids at the border. Nobody's talking about any of that stuff. We're all talking about the coronavirus. Now, there's a difference. This news cycle will move on, too. By the summer, this news cycle will move on. There is a fundamental difference, though, between the coronavirus story and these other stories. The coronavirus story has a body count. The, the Iran story really doesn't, other than Kasim Soleimani. Impeachment doesn't have a body count. The North Korea uh, treaty stuff doesn't have a body count. The kids at the border doesn't really have it. There are a couple of people who died trying to get there, but it doesn't really have a body count. This story is going to have a body count, and that's why it's going to stay alive a little bit longer than the others. Um, but we will, uh, I suspect by the summer, we'll be moved on to something else. But this one is going to be around for about another month. Now, Mike in Clarksville, I want to go to you. Have I screwed up on air and said something wrong? Uh, no, sir. Um I would appreciate that you would uh, keep your uh, strategy focused here on Georgia and to find out uh, where outside of the Atlanta area this is spreading. And um, the numbers that you gave today about uh, how many days in the past and looking at the growth in the number of cases and that uh, it's the same exponential growth that is occurring throughout the world. Um, we have to be aware of where this is going. And uh, I personally don't believe in a month this is going to be over. Um, it's not over in China. 
It's yeah. not going to be over here. Well, yeah, you, so, I, 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 you know, that's I'm, I'm glad you say that, Mike, because that is a poor word choice on my part. It's, it's not going to be over. Um, I think we will probably be turning the corner uh, like in China now that the the rate of infections has gone down. It's not spreading so much as people are getting reported. over it. Uh, yeah, reported. reported. You, you know, you, you can't believe the Chinese. That is fair. Now, let me explain, because you mentioned this, and, and for those of you who weren't here in the first hour, Mike, thanks very much for the phone call for for that. Um, here Here's the, the situation. Um, the, you reach a level. Now, let me find this report. Uh, I had it pulled up earlier. Uh, yes, uh, this is from, the website is Medium. I may have to put this out. If you want to subscribe to my Substack, um, it, and let me explain Substack. So I've got it. I started doing this, you know, I write daily at the resurgent, but I started doing, I, I really don't make any money from the resurgent. Uh, and I have other writers. It's a group site. And, but I wanted to have somewhere where I could do more in-depth stuff for people who are willing to get it. And so I, I discovered Substack, and so I do a newsletter at Substack, and it's much more in-depth and, and uh, a deeper dive into topics. If you're interested in getting it, text the word SHOW to 33777, and I, you can get a subscription to it. Uh, you'll also get a link to the podcast, which is rather important. What happens is you text the word SHOW to 33777 and ask for your uh, your email address uh, because it helps me weed out spam. You'd be amazed at the number of spam I get. Once you send back your email address, you'll get a link to the podcast and you'll get a link to Google and you will get a link to the Substack page uh, purportedly. It's not coming through. Maybe it's broke. I do know if you text data to 33777, you'll get a link to the Substack page. Uh, but anyway, um, so maybe I'll have to push, put this in the Substack page. Uh, the coronavirus. Here is, let me find the relevant chart. Uh, because this is this is important about the spread, um, and it, it shows the the point of of doubling in populations, and it's kind of a troubling chart as to where we are. That when you cross about four hundred, uh, or I'm sorry, when you cross seven hundred infections in a country, it rapidly gets to the point of doubling every two days. That's the concern that we have. Yep, here we go. The daily growth rate. Um, when you get to, let's see, we, yep. When you get to about 700 cases, it begins to spread um, by growing, um, doubling every two days. I'm, I'm reading the chart as I'm talking to you. So there you have it. Uh, in Belgium and the Netherlands and Denmark, they're largely shutting down those countries now because those countries are well past the point of doubling every two days within their population. The United States has just crossed that line. Iran is very close to that line. And uh, it's based on the daily growth. You get to a point where you start having pretty serious uh, exponential growth within countries. Italy is starting to see this. Uh, again, the thing you got to remember about with, with Italy is that you got, uh, within the last eight days, 9,000 cases in eight days. And half of those have required hospitalization and a tenth of those, the, the total number is 12,462 in Italy right now, and a tenth of those have required ICU and half of those have required hospitalization. So it grows very, very fast. Now, uh, is it going to be a, a massive thing where everybody falls over dead? No, that's part of my problem with the way this is being covered by the media. How do you draw the line on this? Um, not everybody's going to fall over dead. In fact, 99% of people who get it are going to be just fine. 
Uh, the question is, how quickly does it spread? How quickly can it be contained? And it's in, does it mutate again worse? And that's part of what we're dealing with here. Um, and I, I just, I, if, if you got questions, by the way, very fascinating. I, I hate to refer you to other sources uh, when I should be the gatekeeper of all your knowledge. But Joe Rogan, I'm not a huge Joe. I, in fact, I don't listen to Joe Rogan. I, I only recently knew he was, and I know a lot of people listen to him. Um, but there are a lot of people who do listen to him. And he did an interview with a leading epidemiologist in the country the other day talking about uh, why this is such a big deal. And I've got a lot of friends of mine who have been deeply dismissive of it, and they're huge Joe Rogan fans. And actually one of them uh, reached out to me the other day and, and is totally freaked out now having, having heard it. I'm like, listen, calm down. There's nothing to freak out about. Just, just take some precautions here. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Adam and Athens, you're going to be next. Welcome. Hey, Mr. Erickson. How you doing? I'm fine, but please, my dad is Mr. Erickson. I'm just Eric. <laughs> um, I was just being kind of facetious. I've seen if anybody had called Dean Tunch yet, because he wrote about this in his book in 1981. Uh, like into the darkness or something. Wait, who? Specifically mentions Wuhan. Dean Toots. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, as a matter of fact, um, oh, who was it? The Joe Rogan guy. I, I can't remember. Uh, I think it was him who actually said he wrote a book several years ago and predicted that one of the next mass uh, outbreaks of of virus in the world would come from Wuhan. Um, yeah, this was 1981, specifically Wuhan, and it says in 2020 a respiratory virus will spread. So it's kind of freaky, but yeah, it is kind of freaky. But but you know, I mean, just consider this: how predictable it's been. The number of people who have been pointing to this area of the world saying something's coming. Uh, what SARS came out yeah. of there as well, uh, and. Uh, there's been one other viral outbreak around the world that's come out of there, which should tell us something about China. You know, I, I, this is a jumping off point. Adam, I'm glad you, you redirected me here as a way to kind of get away from the coronavirus while still kind of being tied in here. I have said for a while now uh, that there is so much of a media fixation on China. I was actually on... Uh, yeah, y'all forgive me. I was in first class on the Acela Express. I was on the Acela Corridor in first class. And let me tell you, first class at Acela is glorious. It really is. I can see why all the, the media elite do it. Uh, between New York and Washington, it's the high-speed Amtrak train. It's the only profitable Amtrak train in the country. And I was there, and it was Tom Friedman who was, was on the plane or on the train with me. And he is notoriously snobby about China. And he was there in first class and um, started yelling at the guy on the train uh, and, and actually made a comparison to China, I do believe, if I remember the story right now. And just, just how uh, America is just nothing like China. Tom Freeman has been fascinated forever about China and how glorious China is. And, and China can build a railway overnight. You, you know, the, the hotel that they put people in in China collapsed uh, they've got the overnight, the, the hospital they built overnight. People are waiting for it to collapse. Uh, China is so much show and bluster, and, and the media elite in this country always uniformly fall for how grand and glorious China is when it is just one giant Potemkin village. Now, are, is there a threat from China? There absolutely is, that with nuclear weapons and everything else and the number of people they have, but come on, people. Uh, China is not as awesome as so many members of the media make it out to be, and this is just further proof of it. A Chinese... A uh, communist regime is not going to be, at the end of the day, able to compete with the ingenuity and innovation of American free enterprise. And, and the only way China is able to compete is for us in this country to screw it all up and make our, our system of capitalism less free and more regulated and closer to the Chinese system. And, and we need to be thinking about that. In fact, one of the issues we're having now with the viral testing is federal regulation. 
The South Koreans and the Italians have been able to more rapidly get testing materials to relevant communities because they have less health care regulation than we do, which is absurd, uh, particularly when, when in Italy in particular they've got universal health care. It's just absurd that they've been able to move faster than us on some of this stuff. we got to step up our game, let the free market work. Oh, dear. I, I hesitate to read you this, um, but um, yeah, we need to go there. This, this gives you an extent to how much the media is overplaying uh, this coronavirus situation. It's all media hype. Here, here's your proof. Two days after Iran declared its first cases of the coronavirus COVID-19 and what would become one of the largest outbreaks of the illness outside of China, evidence of unusual activity appeared at a cemetery near where the infections emerged at the Behest Imasuma complex in Qom, Iran, 80 miles south of Tehran, the excavation of a new section of the graveyard began as early as February 21st, satellite images show, and then rapidly expanded as the virus spread. By the end of the month, two large trenches, their lengths totaling 100 yards, were visible at the site from space. According to expert analysis, video testimony, and official statements, the graves were dug to accommodate the virus victims in Qom. Iran, a nation of about 80 million people, has suffered a particularly deadly surge of coronavirus infections, including among its top leaders. Iran's health ministry said 429 people have died of the virus, which caused the causes the disease known as COVID-19, and more than 10,000 have fallen ill. Among the dead are members of parliament, a former diplomat, and even a senior advisor to the supreme leader. At least two dozen other officials, including a vice president, have been infected. In Qom, the spiritual center of Iran's ruling Shiite clerics, more than 846 people have contracted the virus. Iran's government has not released an official death toll, however, where about 1.2 million people live. But videos, satellite images, and other open-source data from the cemetery suggest the number of people struck down by the virus there is significantly higher than the official figure. A senior imagery analyst at Maxar Technologies in Colorado said the size of the trenches and the speed with which they were excavated together mark a clear departure from past burial practices involving individuals and family plots. In addition to satellite imagery, videos posted on social media from the cemetery show the extended rows of graves uh, meant for coronavirus victims. The imagery analyst who requested anonymity because of the sensitivity of his work also pointed to an image showing what appeared to be a large white pile of lime which can be used to manage decay and odor in mass graves iran health officials have in recent weeks confirmed the use of lime when burying um, people there my goodness you can actually see it on the satellite um they, they have yep you can see the piles of lime in the satellites you can even see the trenches in the satellites uh wow uh so significant goings on in iran as this virus continues to spread around the world doesn't this make you all calm and happy um i, I well let, let me give you a little more from the president to keep new cases from entering our shores we will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. The new rules will go into effect Friday at midnight. These restrictions will be adjusted subject to conditions on the ground. There will be exemptions for Americans who have undergone appropriate screenings, and these prohibitions will not only apply to the tremendous amount of trade and cargo, 
but various other things as we get approval. Anything coming from Europe to the United States is what we are discussing. These restrictions will also not apply to the United Kingdom. Okay. Now, why will it not apply to the United Kingdom? Well, the United Kingdom is outside the the, uh, European trade zone uh, where a lot of uh, Chinese travel. You know, the United States suspended travel to China and Europe didn't. And that's why the infection got hold there quicker. In fact, the reason that the infection got hold in northern Italy so much is because a a lot of northern Italian leather manufacturers outsourced to China. And instead of moving the factories to China, China moved employees to Wuhan from Wuhan to northern Italy, and that's why the infections are large. But here's a key detail that the White House, uh, that the president didn't put in his speech, just so you understand. And this is what, if you were here the first hour, Don Lemon going just absolutely infuriatingly, hysterically mad with John Kasich um, because the president left this detail out. Here's, here's, Here's the actual restriction. The travel restrictions with Europe apply to foreign nationals, who have been in one of 26 European countries with open borders agreements in the last 14 days. Those exempt from these restrictions, such as U.S. citizens, will be directed to limited airports where screenings can take place. So if you're an American, you can leave. Um, but if you're from one of these European countries, you can't come here. you got to be a British citizen to be able to get here. Oh, we got some real-time follow-up. I was mentioning the the Iran situation and the the satellite imagery showing that the COVID-19 situation is way worse than uh, what people have been led to believe by Iran. And now there's this. This is from um, what is from uh, Eric uh, Ding. He a listener just sent this to me. He is. A what is it? The uh, Federation of American Scientists and uh, health economists and a uh, Harvard. He went to Harvard. Went to Johns Hopkins, um, and he's an epidemiologist. And he's just sent this out. Uh, Iran saying ten thousand cases doesn't reveal how bad it is. Many experts think Iran's epidemic is probably ten times worse. Um, possibly up to a million cases. Iran has just asked for $5 billion from the International Monetary Fund, uh, which shows just how desperate it is with this outbreak. So, yeah, um, it's, it's, it is kind of a big deal. Uh, kind of a big deal there. So just 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 for perspective here, um, you know there there's other stuff. Oh 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 whoa oh yeah yeah yeah. Major League Soccer. I mentioned that when I I I thought it said MLB at first. It's MLS. Um, Major League Soccer suspending the season. Uh, and now we've got uh, Democrats in the state house are demanding. Uh, that the state legislature shut down. Uh, This is from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. As the Georgia State Capitol readied for the crucial deadline day, crossover day, Democratic members of the House called this morning for a quick end to a legislative session citing the coronavirus pandemic. We must be responsible and follow appropriate guidelines. House Speaker David Ralston gaveled in the session acknowledging the growing concerns about the pandemic and said he and other leaders will discuss possibly adjourning the session after crossover day, the best thing to do at this point in time is to err on the side of caution. We will keep you posted. The session is currently expected to end April 2nd. Today is crossover day when legislation must pass one chamber to receive consideration by the other. 
The only constitutionally mandated duty of the legislature is to pass the budget. The House on Tuesday voted out its version of a $28 billion spending plan. Five Democratic-leaning groups are urging suspension. The House has already sent home its page program. The Senate has posted signs advising against shaking hands. Uh, The first COVID-19 patient isolated at Hard Labor Creek State Park by Georgia health officials is a 30-year-old Afghan war veteran who cooked at a Waffle House in Canton before he started experiencing fever, chills, and aching pains. Uh, State Representative David Belton of Buckhead, whose East Georgia district includes the park, toured the site and was interviewed uh, by the Oconee Radio Group over there. You cannot see any visible private residences from the site. It's heavily wooded. There are seven really small trailers, campers really, that can house one to two people. I saw a lot of state patrol presence, a high degree of professionalism in keeping the quarantine isolated. On Tuesday, the State House passed House Bill 949 on a 168th vote. Among other things, it would establish a flat income tax rate of 5.375%. Currently, the tax rate increases from 1% to 5.75%, rising with income levels. The legislation includes a low, non-refundable tax credit intended to offset the tax increases that would result from lumping low earners into a higher rate. However, that doesn't impress the Georgia Budget and Policy Institute, uh, which says that for most part, Georgia taxpayers with annual income below $108,000 per year would not benefit as a result of the flat income tax structure. Now, um, all of this is at play with crossover. And for those of you who are listening out of Georgia, uh, let me explain to you crossover day. I think most state legislatures have something similar. Uh, but for crossover day in Georgia... If legislation does not pass the House or the Senate by the close of business tonight, then it cannot be considered by the other House. You know how a bill becomes a law. Both Houses have to consider the same text. Uh, They have to pass the same text. And what typically happens is it goes from the House or the Senate to the other one. Uh, It is amended. It is voted on there. It's sent back. And if both Houses pass the same text, then it goes to the governor to sign it. Well, It's got to pass one house today to be considered by the other house for the rest of the session. Today is crossover day. What happens typically, like this casino bill that is coming out of the the Georgia House, Uh, the Georgia House leadership said that's done. We're not going to do it. No casino legislation this year. Everybody lowered their guard. And then last night, they rushed out a casino legislation to build a casino in Georgia after having told everybody nothing was going to happen. So here we are with this this fine situation in our state legislature. Uh, Yeah, problematic. Um, So now, um, what exactly are are we looking at here? Well, what we're particularly looking at is uh, the the legislature doing some hanky-panky, but they're getting the budget done. And now you've got Democratic groups telling everybody, shut it all down, shut it all down. It's not a coincidence that the partisan group, they're all tied to Stacey Abrams. They're all partisan Democratic groups, and they all began the call before crossover day. Here's why. There are a number of pieces of legislation in the legislature that Democrats believe that they might be able to get a PR advantage on. Uh, The Democrats in Georgia have done a very good job since last year of all coming on the same page with the same talking point to go after the Republicans, and the media eats it up. A lot of the major media in Georgia isn't isn't friendly to Republicans to begin with. And so when the Democrats can get on the same page with the same talking points, it can become a story. 
Take the Lake Juliet situation, and this is not to dismiss the Lake Juliet situation. There's a serious situation with George Power and Lake Juliet, but a lot of Democratic groups have taken what is a serious situation and turned it into a partisan situation, and that makes it more difficult for the other side to consider it because it has partisanship written all over it. They don't want to give the Democrats a win any more than the Democrats want to give the Republicans a win. So what they do is they make a big deal about the legislation, and now that we're to crossover day and it has no chance to pass, what they want to do is they hold a press conference and say, we got to shut it down. we got to shut the whole thing down. Shut the legislature down now before crossover day. And they know if they can get it shut down before crossover day, then the legislation, they have, they've got several weeks where the legislature is not meeting where they can build a story. They can't build a story right now because the only thing anybody cares about in the news cycle is this virus. So it's real hard to get sympathetic treatment from the various media outlets around the state when the various media outlets around the state are only focused on what's going on with the virus. The only way to do it is to shut down the legislature, let everybody go home, let the situation calm down, let the virus burn itself out, and then come back and start over again with the coordinated campaign. That doesn't seem to be working. That's why the Republicans in the state do not want to shut the legislature down before crossover day. They want to go on and lock everything down uh, so that uh, there can't be any hanky-panky with the legislative agenda. Uh, And I'm sure the Democrats will still try. But it's not quite going to be as effective as what would otherwise be the case. And and therein lies the problem. Now, you do need to know one bill that has gotten people's hackles up uh, is a Republican-authored bill by Casey Carpenter and Dalton. It's House Bill 997. It is a bill that would allow the so-called DREAMers, the, the DACA recipients, Uh, to receive in-state tuition rates at some Georgia colleges. It's been a very emotional, contentious issue. Carpenter says it's a workforce development issue. If you go up to North Georgia, particularly if you go into the Dalton area, there are a lot of immigrants there, and some of them are illegal. And they brought their children to Georgia with them. And their children came here as small children, And they don't know any other place as home. They've never been to Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, Mexico, uh, El Salvador. They've never been. They've grown up in the United States, and they're not American citizens. They're illegal aliens. But they came here as small children, and they've become Georgians, and they speak English. And so Casey Carpenter realizes up in Dalton, um, in a lot of the carpet manufacturers and and whatnot, depend on this uh, immigrant labor. And what do you do with the kids? And it is a it's a workforce issue to them. And so Carpenter uh, pushed forward the legislation. It would allow DACA recipients to qualify for in-state tuition, except at Augusta University, the University of Georgia, Georgia Tech, and Georgia State University. So you could go to Kennesaw State. You go to uh, you go to Middle Georgia College. You go to um, what Georgia College State University. You go to Georgia Southern, but you couldn't go to UGA Tech, Augusta University, or Georgia State. And the legislation has not made it through for crossover day. In fact, uh, Chuck Martin from Alpharetta uh, didn't motion for the committee to vote on the bill and said it could conflict with federal immigration law, and he wants to wait for a U.S. Supreme Court decision on DACA. 
Uh, we're going to work towards something in the next legislative session, he said. Carpenter, of course, disagreed. Carpenter left the meeting upset. Uh, Pat Gardner of Atlanta, a Democrat, uh, embraced Carpenter. Carpenter, of course, is a Republican. And Casey Carpenter from Dalton has a lot of, uh, he's a restaurant owner in Dalton, and he's got a lot of constituents. In, have you ever been up to North Georgia? I, I'm amazed by, and by the way, it's, it's fantastically good eats. Uh, you go up there, there are some great hole-in-the-wall Mexican restaurants in North Georgia. There, there are a lot of um, uh, Central and South American uh, immigrants up there, some of them illegal, some of them legal. Uh, a lot of them with kids, many of them uh, illegal immigrants, uh, or I'm sorry, many of them kids who are actually legal uh, because they were born here. Some of them carried here uh, by their by their parents when they were young, and they they consider Georgia their home. And y'all, listen, I, I'm I'm kind of squishy on the issue for a lot of my friends. I just think, and you can disagree with me. I, I'm okay. We can be friends. I, I just think. If your parents carried you here as a small child and you don't even have a memory of your native country, and this is in your memory, the native country, I genuinely think that you should be permitted to maybe not become an American citizen unless you join the military, but at least be given legal residency status. Maybe you gotta maybe you gotta join the military or or go on and get a college degree before you're given full citizenship, but this is the only place you ever knew. In in the same way, I really do think this is why I support a border wall. I support the border wall because I think a lot of Americans who are hostile to illegal immigration would change their thinking if they knew we're not going to have any more of it. If you had a big, beautiful physical wall uh, that stretched from the Pacific to the Gulf of Mexico uh, and you had you had a rebar down 100 feet so nobody's going to tunnel under it and you had armed guards across. I, y'all, listen, I'm not making it up. I, I, I think you build the Great Wall of the United States of America. And for all the people say, this is just like the communist in Berlin. No, 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 no. That was to keep people in. We're not trying to keep people in. If you want to go to Mexico, go to Mexico. We'll put doors in the wall. Just we don't want the people flooding our border. I am totally okay with it. I am totally okay. You know, my, my buddy Herman Cain used to say, uh, we're going to build a, a wall that's going to be 100 feet high. It's going to have a moat that's 100 feet long and 100 feet deep, and it's going to be filled with water and alligators. And if you can cross the wall and swim across the, the, the trench or the moat and get here, we're going to have a job waiting for you on the other side. I really genuinely think that if we had serious border security in this country, if we closed the border in such a way that nobody could cross, a lot of the people who want to round up every single illegal immigrant in this country would say, hey, it's not a problem anymore. Let's now deal not emotionally but rationally with this issue. We do have people who have lived in this country for 40 years who are illegal aliens. Uh, they are grandparents now. They've got children and grandchildren who are American citizens. There's no reason for us to deport grandma. But we have people who live in this country who have regularly broken the law, and it is time to throw them out, and now we know for sure they can't get back in. 
And I, I really do believe a lot of my friends who are very hostile to illegal immigration would, would recognize, you know, the kid who came here who's underage, uh, has no memory of their native land, has always known America, but is not an American citizen because they're technically an illegal alien. Yeah, let's let them get a college degree or join the military and they can become a citizen or at least a legal resident. Um, I, I think those people who have been here for long, who came here illegally, who we decide we could stay, absolutely not. They do not get American citizenship. They don't want it anyway. That's one of the things a lot of people ignore here is that a lot of these people, they don't want American citizenship. They're here to work and send money home. Let them stay. You know, up until the, I think, 1967, 68, we had a very robust migrant immigrant worker program in this country where people could come from Mexico, they could do work here, and then they could go home. And they could come back and forth willy-nilly with this visa program. Uh, But unions killed it because they thought the Mexicans were taking union jobs. We should go back to that program. We should allow seasonal migratory work from Mexico with as few restrictions as possible to allow people to come here because, frankly, there are jobs Americans won't do at the pay that we're willing to pay them. But there are jobs that people from Mexico will do. I know a guy who has a housekeeper who is an illegal alien, and he knows she is an illegal alien. She has been his housekeeper for 25 years. Her family is now here. She has never gone to Mexico. The only law she has ever broken is she came here illegally. She does not drive because she's not an American citizen and can't get a driver's license. She pays her taxes. She even pays Social Security. She does all of the things she's supposed to do. Uh, And she is the ideal person to be an American citizen. But I understand people who don't want this to happen until we can make sure nobody else comes to this country. I get the fear and I get the rationale and I get that it's not all fear, that there are legitimate public policy choices that are being made and people disagree. But you secure the wall, secure the border with a wall, and suddenly you can make some more profound re- uh, changes here and, and make some profound decisions. Casey Carpenter is a state representative in the Dalton area. There is a high population of immigrant labor there. There's a high population of illegal immigrant labor there. And there's a high population of immigrant labor with children who are DACA recipients. And he would like to see those people who have grown up in the community stay in the community. They're a part of the community. He doesn't want to see them uh, punished because their parents made a choice 10, 15 years ago. And I personally think he's right. And I realize, I realize I'm in the minority. And if you, if we don't have time for any phone calls right now. And besides, my call screener had to step away for a little bit. But if you want to call and take issue with me tomorrow, I'm, I'm happy to chat with you about it. Uh, and we're probably not going to agree, but but I'm, I don't think you're a bad person. And please don't think I'm a bad person. We're just looking at it differently. I do think there are a lot of illegal aliens who should be rounded up and, and sent home. And I do think there are a lot of people who should never be able to cross the border. But I also think there are the cases here that we should deal with sympathetically of people who have come here illegally, but they've made this their home and they poured their energy into making this a better country. And we shouldn't deal with those people the way we deal with the the criminals who need to be deported. Your mileage may vary on that. I'm not opposed to this sort of legislation. It is 55 after the hour. I'm scared to look. I, I, I... I think I need to look, um, but uh, do I? Yeah. Uh, So we're in a bear market um, and and I don't know. Well, so a bear market is the market has fallen 20% from its high. Uh, The Dow is down 2,057 points right now. NASDAQ is down 610 points and the S&P 500 down 215 points. The New York Stock Exchange is down 996 points right now. 
Um, it is it is a bear market. Uh, you know, my guest host uh, is uh, often Chris Burns, and he actually put up a tweet I, I found somewhat humorous earlier. The the um, president of Dynamic Money he wrote uh, the longest bull market in history is over. When it began, Uber had just opened for business. Donald Trump was hosting season two of Celebrity Apprentice, and The Rock had hair. It's been a remarkable 11 years. There you have it. Uh, the bull market now effectively over, uh, and he's, he's, he's got a point on that. Um, also, I know a lot of people are freaked out about the markets right now, particularly if you're close to retirement and, and you haven't moved. Um, I, I'm, I think that, I, I think that you don't need to panic, first of all. Nobody needs to panic. Uh, God's still sovereign. God's still on the throne. There, there's no reason to panic. Uh, he's in control. Uh, his will be done. But when it comes to your retirement, when it comes to your health, things like that, there's no reason to panic. There are reasons to be prepared and be responsible, though. Uh, take take the case of, of uh, Rudy Gobert, who the, the Utah jazz player thought it was no big deal and rubbed his, his face around and, and touched all over microphones and two days later is found to have the virus. And now Donovan Mitchell on his team uh, also has the virus. Um, this is this is a that's a problem. That's not being responsible. Just be responsible out there. Uh, there's no reason to stockpile, but do when you go to the grocery store, buy some extra stuff to be safe. Um, there are ways to be responsible, folks, and there are ways to not be responsible. And frankly, right now, uh, some people need to be a little more responsible than they have been. Uh, and, and there are ways around that as well. So just be careful out there, people. Uh, be safe. You'll be fine. And I have no idea what that noise is. And we will be back tomorrow. You guys have a great day.